welcome to this Law in Sport podcast with me, Sean Cotchell, the CEO of Law in Sport. If you haven't tuned in before, the Law in Sport podcast is here to help you understand the latest legal issues and developments from the world of sport, as well as get to meet some of the personalities who are working behind the scenes to make sure that players' contracts are correctly drafted, uh, that they get their sponsorship money, that they're able to play in a safe environment, that football clubs are able to run effectively, etc., etc. Um, I'm delighted to welcome our special guest today, who's a close personal friend of mine, uh, a brilliant lawyer, a brilliant person. It's Joseph Vandalos. He's the founder of Vandalos Sports Law, has extensive experience in international sports law, having represented athletes, clubs, national association, agents, coaches in front of dispute resolution bodies uh, at the Court of Arbitration for Sport in Lausanne uh, and in uh, tribunals within Spain and other parts of the world as well. He's also the academic director of ISDE FC Barcelona Global Masters in Sports Management and Legal Skills on the online edition. Um, he also sits, and importantly, as an editorial board member for Law in Sport. And if you haven't read any of his articles, um, you need to read them on Law and Sport. He's written particularly on uh, of late on it, on really important matters such as succession of football clubs, what happens when they go into administration. And it's really, you know, he's a thought leader in that area. You need to absolutely invest time if you're interested in that type of stuff. I thoroughly recommend you go and have a look at those articles. And finally, he was, um, in 2018, he was appointed as an arbitrator for sports resolution panel of arbitrators and mediators. Um, Joseph, how are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Thanks for having me finally on your podcast. <laughs> I, st I, st I still have a long way until I, I, uh, I get the four appearances a stack. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tak Tak's been um, Takuya Yamazaki has been a, a regular. In fact, I haven't. I meant to catch up with him at some point later this week. Um, no, he's a great. Look, you're, you're, it's funny because you 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 always message me after the podcast and go, I really enjoy the podcast. So. Um, Absolutely, I'm, I'm a big fan of, 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 of all your podcasts and uh, all the content in your web. You know that, and uh, and so it's. Well, you're, you're a fan of learning. You're you're genuinely like. I mean, I mean, of all the people I know, you are one of the most ferocious learners in the sense that any spare minute you have, um, you know, you're listening, reading cases, reading regulations, and maybe we will just get into this in terms of. I want to talk about your career because. You've got um, what I know will be a very inspiring career to many people because you are, you know, with some support, I would say, uh, and guidance of various people and you, you told me about, um, but you're really like a self-made sports lawyer, right? But at the heart of that, I'd say that, that you've, uh, you've had, um, you take great pride in, in dealing, you know, I would say having great integrity in what you do and making difficult decisions on the way. So, let's yeah i know this and i'm kind of like excited to hear in more detail but we spoke about this privately um how did you start off in sports law or how did you start off in law and then how did you get into to working for sports organizations and athletes and coaches well uh i don't know many people will tell you that they started in law because it was a vocation it was something uh they always uh longed for it was not my case when I was in 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 the, in the final years of high school. I was uh, I was thriving and enjoying a lot uh, my my classes in 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 classic Greek and Latin. I was zero at math, I mean, like really bad. 
and uh, and so I um, I decided to focus my 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 studies on on humanities, and I took uh, for three years I took uh, Latin and uh, classic Greek, and um, and I loved it. And um, and at that moment I thought I you know my career would go somewhere to, I mean, towards politics. I was I liked a lot history politics, um, you know classical. Uh, classical uh, languages like Latin and Greek. So I didn't really know what to do. And, um, and at some point I told my father, maybe I do Greek and Latin. And he said, no! <laughs> <laughs> so I said, you know, I went into law school a little bit without knowing what to expect, to be honest. But but I, I, I loved it. I, I, uh, the truth is that from day one, uh, maybe because of the friends I met there, the, 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 the professors I had, were outstanding, all of them, and and so I enjoyed the, I enjoyed it from from day from day one. Yeah. And where did you grow up? Just to put it into context, where did you go to school? I grew up in uh, in uh, Tarragona, in in Reus. It's uh, and forty five uh, minutes ago from from Barcelona, south, by the Mediterranean Sea. So uh, yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a small it's a small town, a hundred thousand uh, population. But but yeah, it's uh, there's 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 a lot of restaurants and it's close by, by the sea and it's a very nice area. Yeah. And so you go to to law school, essentially, or go to study yeah. law. Yeah, law school. I studied uh, in Barcelona. Yeah. In Barcelona, and yes. then you you've got this affinity towards law. Then what happens? Then I started. Uh, well, I, I, what happens is when I finished law school, that I, I went and I, I spent a year in. Uh, in Paris, working in uh, in a bank. So my my final year, I I um, I, um, I spent a few months uh, during the last the last months of the studies in in France in Paris, and I remained. I started working for a bank. I immediately realized that was not my thing, but uh, but I stayed there for one year. And why? So why wasn't it your thing? What, what made you? What made it was, you think that it, it, was it was boring. I mean, I I would stay in, in the headquarters <laughs> of the bank. And, you know, just it was it was boring, you know, and, 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 what, and do, what for you was boring, though, was it as in it wasn't any contact with people? It was just, absolutely. Yeah, it was it, 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 it was it was dealing with paperwork uh, with with, you know, um, um, transactions I had no relation with. And um, it was it was not my thing, definitely. But I decided to stay one year, not only to improve my French, my French, but uh, but also because I was staying in the. Uh, for those who have lived in Paris in France, I was living in the Cité Universitaire in the University Village, and it's so much fun. I mean, <laughs> I was uh, I was twenty one <laughs> years old. I was living I was living the life, you know, and and so you know I was getting good money I was uh, I was in a in in the house of Canada these houses are divided by countries and uh, and they were all students mostly from Canada but you would end up meeting uh, um, you know people from all over the world and and it was so much fun you know so so I just stayed for one year and I went back to Barcelona and started work uh, and I started working for a law firm and um, and I, I started my career uh, in in law working in in civil law and real estate, real estate was booming. This was two thousand and two. In Spain, it was uh, it was booming. And, and so, so all the problems in the Spanish real estate market is your fault. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the bubble burst uh, like 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 everywhere. 
a few years uh, later, but it was booming. But not only uh, residential real estate, uh, industrial, uh, also, um, you know, especially the client I was working for, it was, uh, it was a, a big uh, food distribution chain. So, uh, so I had the chance to travel throughout all Spain and, and, and negotiating with, uh, with all different of, uh, kinds of administrations, uh, particulars. And it was so much fun. And I learned a lot about contract negotiations, contract. I remember having this, um, this partner I worked for with whom I still have a very close relationship that he would always encourage me a lot. But, but you know, he would, he would tell me, Joseph, go, you know, draft this contract. I said, wow, great. I would start drafting a contract. I end, here's a contract. And obviously I would print it out. At that time, you, you would print out all everything, no? And then he, was, he started revising the contract and he would give me back the paper completely red. You know, like, with, and he would say, Joseph, it's perfect. Go and, I was like, how come it's perfect? It's, 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 you, I mean, it's nothing of what I wrote. But he would, you know, have this positive um, approach to everything I did. And it was like, I was a bit shocked at the beginning, but then, you know, it helped me a lot uh, uh, you know, paying attention to detail, um, and uh, and I still, uh, you know, I have very good memories. So that sharpened, that. so that sharpened your tools then, um, in that regards, right? So you, so you started to get, you started to realize the importance of of really paying attention to every detail. And so, how did you transition from being then? So, what was next then? So you were essentially a real estate civil lawyer. Where did you go from there? No, then then what happened is is is. Um, you know, uh, after four years working in Barcelona, and uh, in which, uh, as I told you, I, I I learned a lot, but not not only paying attention to detail, which is important. Let me get back to this just for one second. Uh, what I learned during that period is is what's most important in law is is not to have the answer, is to ask yourself the right questions, and that's the most difficult thing to do because you can only ask yourself the right questions after you've gone through ex certain experiences. You know. And, um, but yeah, what happened is that, you know, it's, it's very simple. Uh, after four years, I looked up uh, to my partner and, and uh, I, I went through a personal difficult time at that, uh, at that moment because my, my mother passed away uh, um, on suddenly uh, without uh, any, any sort of, uh, of notice. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I went through, through a period in which I, I asked myself, how do you see yourself in five years time, you know? And, and, uh, and I simply didn't see me in the in 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 a, in a big office building, um, you know, working as a partner, you know, devoting my life to to a law firm, and 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 and, and so I, I I decided to to do something else. And at that time, I um I, I I was working for a real estate developer in the firm, who who was 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 you know developing projects all across Europe, but especially in Eastern Europe. And so they sent me uh, to, to, to do certain studies in, in, in real estate in, in, in different countries, one of which was Romania. And uh, I, was, uh, I liked it so much, you know, <laughs> I went there uh, and decided to stay. You know? So I quit the firm and started uh, my, my own project in, in real estate. And um, this was in 2006. And uh, it, went, it went very well. Uh, but in 2008, the real estate bubble exploded. So uh, we, we, were, we were lucky, but also sometimes I think it's luck. Sometimes I think it's, it's due to my legal background that you're more prone to, uh, to, uh, to, to seek, uh, to, to see the risks rather than the opportunities that uh, we were extremely prudent and, 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 and we, we were in a very favorable position when everything happened. 
So, uh, so in 2008, um, again, you know, I had to reinvent myself. So I, I took the summer off. I went to Africa, spent uh, two months in uh, Ivory Coast, uh, in the border with Burkina Faso. And I went with a group of doctors just to, uh, you know, again, I was, uh, what? I don't know. I, I was not even 30 years old. I think I was 28 or 27. And so I took the summer off to, uh, or yeah, 29 maybe, and to rethink what I wanted to do. And, um, and uh, during that summer, that I worked closely with doctors in a, in a, in a zone that, was, that had been hit by, by war a few years before. So they hadn't seen doctors for, for months or years. And, and it was a very good experience. But then, I, um, but then uh, that summer, I met somebody who uh, introduced me to football. And so that somebody had played professionally in, uh, in Germany. And we became friends. And when I went back to Romania, uh, after the summer, he called me and said, "Listen, I have this, um, I have this, uh, this, this friend who, who plays in the Bundesliga, and he's got a problem with an agent. I know you're a lawyer, so maybe you can take a look at the documents and and and, and help him out." And I was like, "Wow, I didn't know, I didn't even know that the lawyers could assist football players, or there was a, a market there, you know, like." And and I did it I, without even thinking. I just uh, you know jumped into a plane, went to Mainz. Meet this guy. Um, I, I just was curious, you know. So obviously, I paid everything for myself. It was super expensive to fly uh, there. I remember. I don't know. I paid. I don't know. Uh, but but I just you know um, I uh, I flew. I I met this guy who uh, who was Aristide Banze. He played for Mans 05, a great player. Um, and he received me in his house. Mm. <laughs> and it was. It, 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 it was. He was very upset. He was telling me, you know, how things went uh, very bad with his agent, and um, and you know, I was you know looking at the contracts without really. I didn't even know what I was doing honestly, but I was looking at the contracts, trying to see if, if we could do something. We went to the club and and discussed with 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 the club's director, see what was happening, and well, in, in the end, to make a long story short. Things uh, went out well. Uh, we could. Uh, we found out that 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 his agent was not acting, um, um, you know, as he as he should, and we 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 resolved the situation. And but but then again, I went back to Romania. I said, "Listen, this is amazing. I've had so much fun. I've met an interesting guy. I, I've I've been to a football club. They treated me with with some respect, and and I've been paid, you know, in the end." So. So I went back to Romania and I said, listen, I mean, there's also football in Romania. There's other sports. So I started contacting back then, you know, all, all agents, uh, um, uh, all registered agents. Their their data, their, their contact details were published in the FIFA website. That, that's no longer, because of data protection, that's no longer possible. <laughs> but back then, all the phone numbers, emails were published. And, 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 and how did you, so this is really interesting, actually. So two things. One, you mentioned at the beginning that asking the right questions is the important factor, right? So in that case where you turned up, you didn't know, you know, and this is often the case for many people around the world when they first start acting for sports clients, right? There's not, you know, now there's all these courses and everything else is law and sport. People can find their way a little bit better. At that time, though, there wasn't that many resources that were out there. There were some, but not that many well-known resources. Um, and so 
you then go to the thing and it's all about at that point then the same right what again you just it's your legal training comes in what's going on what do i know what don't i know what do i need to get more information on and from that and from that scenario then you can get a good outcome then you go back when you approach now yeah, again, we know each other really well. I know how you you do things, right? You're you're particularly so, as you probably can tell from uh, Joseph's uh, introduction in terms of being in Paris and stuff. You, you love the social life. You love you love meeting people. You're definitely a people person. Um, how did you go about approaching these people, right? Because that and and would you and would you would you change? Would you change how you did it, or was it no, the wrong way? No. No, I I, I, I did it as, as, as I guess anybody else would do it. I would send an email um, and then call, you know, wait for a couple of days, even if they didn't get back to me. How, just, but, but you say this though, right? We do training on this for, for established lawyers, you know, for, you know, I mean, really senior lawyers, we do training in terms of, particularly in the social uh, media age, right? People can get a bit um, it's anxious at times about what is the etiquette. But I just think there is just a, a good etiquette of reaching out to someone for the first time that, that no, stands. Absolutely, and, and 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 I always say the same thing. Listen, um, especially now that there's LinkedIn. Back then, I, I didn't have LinkedIn, but I mean, you get into LinkedIn to make professional connections. So nobody's going to get upset if you approach him <laughs> for a professional matter if you do it in the right way and politely. So I think a, a, a bit, uh, it's a bit the same. I mean, if you, if you do the things politely and and you're not you know, just trying to take advantage of anybody, just letting them know you're there and you can, you know, at some point, point maybe help them or, uh, you know, just ask how they're doing and, and what do they need. Um, I mean, normal people usually don't get upset, you know, it just, they might refuse you, but, but uh, nothing happens other than that, you know. So, so I just, I contacted so many people in Romania especially agents, football clubs, um, players. And I, start, I started meeting people like crazy, you know, let's just, and, 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 and very, very rapidly, the first, ca the fir the first case came in. And it, was, it, was, it, was, it turned out to be a Spanish coach in, uh, in, in Romania uh, who had problems and, uh, and, and that went into the press. So immediately, uh, you know, I... Uh, I was uh, publicly exposed because of that case, and so and, no pressure and, then. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it, it, it was a bit of a pressure, but it's a it's a good pressure because it, for for somebody who's never been uh, uh, like me, you know, on 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 appeared on the press for for anything, it, it's 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 kind of fun, you know. It it, it <laughs> it's uh, yeah, you you enjoy it the first time, then you become more conservative, maybe. But um, but I enjoyed it so much, and um, and um, and again, I mean, uh, things went out well from there. Uh, you know, from that case onward, uh, like the the, the the snowball started to roll down, and uh, and uh, and I started to you know just just being called by by agents, players, and 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 to this day. You know? <laughs> and so, and then from from Romania, though, when did you go back to Spain? When, so how was the journey going? You living you know, between the two know, the, places. The, the, the good thing is that um, the good thing is that, and when I look back, it was the best thing that could happen to me that I was in Romania. Romania is a, it's a, it's a great place. It's, it's a great country. I loved it, and I still have many, 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 many ties to 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 that country. But it was particularly good for sports law because nobody nobody was doing anything. Just just. Maybe a couple of guys were were working for clubs or 
but but there was no there was a need in the market you know the 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 football industry but not only the football industry boxing tennis um athletics uh they they were growing and and, and there was no there was no law office uh dealing with uh with sports uh with sports matter i remember having a a lunch with with one of the the directors in white and case uh with whom i still have a very good relationship white and case in 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 romania and they were like, you know, like, yeah, but you know, it's just, 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 just small industry, and so there was, they, I mean, there was an industry, they, they, they could not, but it wasn't important at that moment. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's and that's and that's yeah. a great point to emphasize because yeah, every, as you know, we talk about this regularly, or have this conversation with our mentees, with other people. Is if you're in a country where there is not that, you know, respected, let's say, to be a lawyer working for the sports sector or for sports clients. That should be something that you should embrace because that is a, like a great opportunity to really, absolutely, absolutely. you know, make relationships, uh, become a significant player in the market. You, you know, and you don't have the competition that other people have yeah, in more competitive markets. Absolutely, and um, and yeah, and, uh, and 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 so, you know, I started working in a in a in a country where, if you look at the at the at the, at the cast cases that are published in the website. I don't know what the percentage is. Maybe we should ask somebody from CAS. But the percentage of cases coming from Romania and Eastern Europe, it's super significant. It's it's very high, very very high. So um, automatically, I was, you know, I, I, from year one, I I started having, you know, from five ten cases from the first year in FIFA. It was not bad, you know. And and, and then from there, from there, I, I you know I, I took off. Um, and, and, and coming back to your question, I moved to Spain five years ago when, um, when, uh, when I, all, my, my practice was established already. So I, I didn't have a need to be there, uh, in Romania. And, um, I, I spent there 11 years. So again, you know, I, I, you know, I felt that it was the right moment to come back. You know, I got married. I had, I had a, a daughter, and now I have two. But but back then I only had one. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and um, and so uh, and so discussing it with my wife, we we decided that it was a good moment to, you know, just to not to come back, but to try something else. And and we're, we've been now for for almost five years now in in Valencia in Spain. We're very happy. But but you never know. I mean, you know, the good thing is that we're not trees. Uh, you know, yeah. we can move. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, and you're uh, much more you're much more adaptable <laughs> than I am. But mainly, it's probably because of your uh, you know your language skills for a start. <laughs> no, can, no, no, yeah. no. But, um, but so, what would you say? When you look back over over your and, and so, so should it also be said that you've you know over this period like and the, well, I knew this was going to be a challenge because you're incredibly humble and so you don't like you know trying to actually tell people about what you've done at times is, is it can be a little bit challenging because uh, you always underplay things um, but you know you've also been um, uh, uh, you know advised on some matters for FIFA as well in terms of uh, regulatory regulatory matters mm -hmm. you know looking at certain provisions. Um, how did that come about? That, that's a dream come true I had. And, uh, and I have to thank uh, Emilio Garcia, the head of legal uh, in FIFA. And I will always be thankful to him for, for the, the opportunity he gave me. It was very simple. I, I started dealing uh, with cases involving coaches, okay, in, in, in Romania. 
and and I was struggling a lot. I say, okay, I I I mean, there were no published cases. Uh, the regulations were were not clear. In fact, they they did not, you know, include coaches. So uh, you were left in 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 some sort of a legal limbo with a lot of of insecurities. Not only when you have to litigate, but also when you have to advise your client to sign the contract, especially when it comes to the applicable law and 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 the consequences of of the applicable law to the contract. So um, I did something that now when I think about it, I think it's, it's, it's a bit crazy. I don't know if I would be able to do it again, but I said, all right, I'll just, you know, try to gather every single decision I can on coaches, asking friends, asking, uh, um, you know, people and, 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 you know, and trying to do some research and, and I'll publish a book. <laughs> Was that and this is the and this is and this is with uh, Michele, right? Correct. Yeah, no, 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 Michele no. Uh, no. Michele, yeah, Michele came in uh, uh, later. So I started right. drafting. I, I started drafting, like reading everything and organizing and see. I mean, the, the, the beginning, I, I wasn't sure I was uh, I was wanting to write, but I just wanted to structure my mind and know exactly what I'm dealing with. But then, you know, I started writing and organizing my thoughts and okay, this makes sense. I, I'll start you know, writing a little bit more, this and that. And, um, and I think a year and a half went by, two years. And, and, and I had something, you know, that, that was, I thought it was decent. Um, and, um, and, and so I discussed it with Michele. To be honest with you, I discussed, I discussed, he knows this, I discussed it with another publisher as well who rejected it, you know. And, um, and uh, it made me feel really bad, if I'm honest with you. But uh, it wasn't us. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, does, it, does, it, it, it doesn't really matter. It just, no. it just, it just, it, 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 but, but it's one of those things that, that you can either, you know, just, okay, then it's not good enough, or, or you just can go back to it, work a little bit, uh, and, 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 and try again. And this is what I did. It, uh, and I called Michele and see, listen, I have this manuscript, and I explained him what happened. And said, let me take a look at it. And he looked at it. I think it's great. We can work on it. And um, and maybe we can give him this, you know, he could get and me so, super. So for, and sorry, for those people who don't know who we're talking about, it's Michele Colucci, who is um, a prominent and, and influential figure in uh, sports law, but particularly uh, Italian sports law. I think he helped establish the, or he did, I think, uh, forgive me, Michele, if I get this wrong, but established the Italian Sports Lawyers Association. He's a professor. He lectured on many years in sports. He's been a, and he's again now a FIFA DRC, Dispute Resolution Chamber, and just a great human being um, in terms of bringing people together and working collaboratively and loves to publish books <laughs> like no one else I've ever met in terms of he loves to try and disseminate information, uh, particularly in an academic uh, form. Um, and so that, yeah, so, okay, so you approach Michele, Michele being Michele and being one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> it's got this like, energy. Yeah, enthusiastic he, he and always willing to help, you know? I yeah. mean, that's, that's what I admire uh, uh, in him the most, that he's always, you know, he will help you with anything you ask. Absolutely, right? absolutely. And super and humble. So, so, so then you get the book, so yeah. Michele says, yes, let's work on it. That gives you a confidence boost, and that gives you the confidence boost, right? And we worked together during six months before it was published. You know, I mean, it's not like, oh yeah, it's a no. great book, let's publish it. No, no, I mean, he, he really, he really, uh, you know, he was calling me. He changed this, let's structure it. I know, so you know the work of a, of, of an editor, you know. 
Yeah, yeah. He's and great. Um, he was a pain in the ass, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, no, and, and uh, but yeah, but but, but the, the result was was there, and and you know he published it, and 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 it, and, it, and it did well because you know you know that these books are very hard to 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 sell. But it sold in more than, if I'm not mistaken, more than 25 countries all across the, the world. I mean, the, the figures are Congratulations. Not, uh, yeah. But that's but, awesome. But they, right? they, it shows you there's would, a need for it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and, um, and, and one day, uh, this was uh, a year after the book was published, or two, yeah, almost two years before the book was published. Yeah, Emilio had already uh, been appointed in, in FIFA, and he calls me. Emilio says, I'm on a plane flying back from the US. I said, like, okay, this, this, this is important. <laughs> okay, he calls me from the plane. I was I was laying on the couch in my house watching TV. I'm on a plane. I spoke with Johnny. I really like the book. I spoke with Johnny. We have to do something about coaches. Uh, somebody will call you next week. Bye. <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, and uh, I, you know, you know, and I looked at my wife, I was like, <laughs> Do you know what I love about that story, though? And so, so, and then, sorry, we should finish the story, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then, you, a, you were working with um, Reyes, right? Is that correct? Was yeah, you, yeah. You, no, you, no. So, so Reyes, um, so Reyes took took care of, of a different uh, regulatory area. She took, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she she dealt mostly with uh, female football, the the amendments That's on, Reyes, on the RSD Reyes football. Who's brilliant and and, well. and 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 she also worked uh, for uh, you know in a project in, involved with the nation of DRCs or something. I'm not, I mean, right, you, okay. should, you should ask her. Um, yeah, I will. I will ask her because she's she's going to be on the. But yeah, we we both uh, came in as external advisors from FIFA for different projects, but but we 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 kind of uh, you know um, our, our 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 paths went in parallel with FIFA. Yeah. And, uh, right. Okay. And so then you get, actually get involved, obviously, with the uh, you know, drafting the amendments. It's amazing. When, when, yeah. when they send you, they send you the RSVP in in. Uh, so it's a regulation, a status of transfer, regulation of the status and transfer of players. Exactly. Uh, and they send it to you in a work format. It's like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? You know, it's like, you know, it's just the amendments. You know, what amendments? Uh, no, it was it was like this, but then uh, it's true that uh, you you come up with a draft, and I work very closely with also with Omar Ongaro. Um, he's a brilliant mind, and uh, and, uh, and and a lot of credit of, of, of what's now it goes to him, um, and um, and and we worked together on this project, and we submitted it at various times, not once, because you know comments would, would come, we would receive some feedback. From the stakeholders, and then there were several meetings held, uh, held um, which I could assist just as a listener. Um, you know, the negotiations held between FIFA and the different stakeholders. It was a, it was amazing to to witness uh, that process and and to understand how regulations are enacted. No, and it's not just FIFA just saying here's the regulation, deal with it. No, it's a, it's a true collective bargaining agreement. And everybody has its saying. There's a negotiation, and it's it's fascinating to see it from the outside. Honestly, I think that's something that often, uh, uh, yeah. Again, we've talked about this before around you know people referring to CAS 
and they don't refer to CAS panels often. They refer to the CAS as a body making decisions, but really by doing that, it doesn't reflect really what's going on. That it's a panel of arbitrators who are making the decision in a, in a certain process. Likewise with FIFA, and Emilio uh, Garcia brought this up at our, our football law conference a few years ago. It was like, look, let's, let's actually break down how decisions are made. So we do have some influence as the um, yeah the administrators of FIFA, but it's just yeah we have the stakeholders group right and and you know each body has a, a certain amount of power and we can't make anything happen unless everyone agrees really and I think you know in you know, we can all be guilty myself included of going ah oh, you know FIFA or UEFA or you know some other body or CAS have done this and it's sometimes by doing that it doesn't really give a true reflection of what the process is and so we can sometimes misdirect our attention. Um, and I see this particularly in sports law. So I think if everyone has, I think FIFA have been doing a great job on this in terms of trying to explain how these mechanisms work so we can actually you know, find out where the problems are and work out how to, and I think in fact, with the European Super League, I think it's brought that back into sharp focus in the, from a UEFA perspective in terms of how certain decisions are reached in the ECA perspective. Um, do you know what I love about that story is the fact that, again, through looking at something because you're interested in it, spending the time and energy on it because you think there's something there out of curiosity combining it together over a long process and it's a great case study for people where they come to us and say how can we how can we get into the sector where's the opportunity there's all these established sports lawyers already where's the opportunity for me it's like well if you take time to read the regulations properly if you take time to understand the environment properly you'll spot these areas where someone like yourself now you probably don't have the time that you had then uh, to do that type of uh, research right whereas when you were you know, building your practice, you probably had a bit more time, right, to do that type of project. So it's a great, it's a great example of, you know, and as well, don't listen to everyone. Right? You know, be careful who you listen to because the other publisher said there's not anything in this, right? They obviously didn't, um, not, you, know, you know, they couldn't spot it. They couldn't see it for whatever reason, right? It might be a commercial reason. Um, what would you say is the most interesting case you've been involved in? Um. I don't know. There, 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 there have been so many. I mean, probably the the cases I enjoy enjoy the most, and it's not one in particular. Um, the cases I enjoy I enjoy the most is the cases where you think there's nothing to do. You know, what what has happened, and what I've noticed in our practice is precisely because what you say that there are many established sports lawyer across the world right now. And so clients are better and better advised, and they and they made less and less mistakes. What happens now is that when whenever um, a case uh, goes goes to litigation, a pro, you know, a relationship goes 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 to litigation, the problems are much more complex, you know, and um, and um, the the more complex is the pro the the problem is, the more difficult the case at at at, at in your phase is is where you can bring more value and uh, where you can be more creative. And um, there are a number of cases, um, especially in, in my case, I would not like to disclose the names or so, what, 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 involving coaches, but also involving agents, you know, relationships between agents and clubs and agents and players, where there's always a party that wants to you know, enforce a contract and, and get paid, or the other one that doesn't want to pay. Uh, that that you can really you know just explore what really happened and and bring and bring value. If, if I had to answer your question, what's been the most interesting thing you have done? Obviously, 
I would place uh, in, 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 in the first place my experience with FIFA, you know, the, the one I had, uh, I had uh, yeah, uh, last year. Um, that's, that's the one I, I enjoyed the most because it was, uh, it, it was amazing. It, it was an honor that after, you know, mm, yeah, a little bit more than 10 years of, uh, you know, dedicating myself full time to, to, to the sports industry as a lawyer, uh, I had the feeling that I, I had been hurt and that I, I was, I, I was, you know, I, I, you know, that they were asking me to, to, to tell them how, how would you do? And, and that was, that was the best recognition I could get, you know? And, and do you think, you know, I see you as a high performer, right? And, and to put it into context, you know, can you just say to people, like, how often do you read cases? <laughs> right? Because you, 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 no, I read one every day at least. Uh, yeah. One. <laughs> oh, is it? Because uh, I remember coming to see you and you were like, yeah, I've got to read my case. I've got a case I've got to read. <laughs> yeah, but I read one every day. You know, you know the one, yesterday I read one between you and me, this, and I shared it with um, with my associate here, Saxon. And um, I read a decision um, that a colleague from, from, from England shared because I asked him. It was a 1912 decision from a tribunal in, in the UK. Uh, it was King Abbey against Aston Villa, uh, 1912. And, and we were commenting. I mean, if you read the, the, that, that decision, uh, which is more than 100 years ago, it's amazing how little have we evolved. You yeah, know, because, yeah, I say it's all the time. Like, as in, uh, you look back I mean, and we just think we're going through the same stuff again and again and again. Absolutely. And, just a different I mean, side of and whether players are slaves or not, whether <laughs> yeah. the transfer system, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the, the secretary general of the players' association um, uh, appeared as witness in that case, and he was saying that now from the football association, we've always considered the transfer system as being illegal. I was like, and he exp he would explain the reasons why. He said. I mean, it's exactly the same discussion that we're, <laughs> we're having today, you know? It's it is, like, it is wow. one of the things I think is really interesting about law and sports law in particular, though, is, this, is the fact that at times, because it is a very complex area, people just rely on what they've been told. So whether they're in an academic setting, whether they're on, you know, in a hierarchical structure within a firm, or, or yeah, they're a junior barrister or advocate, and you know, you've got more senior, and people just tell them. Sometimes, yeah, even some of the most brilliant people can... Um, you know, Daniel Kahneman talks about in terms of you know thinking fast and slow in terms of cognitive. So right, that we can just we can just be lazy and just go and just accept it and just have lazy thinking essentially using our system one. Just go okay, yeah, fine, and move on rather than pause for thought and say actually is there more to this? And I think the challenge is that the you know that and I think the opportunity is that there's from my experience from law and sport in particular from what you're saying there's so much opportunity for further development. Um, absolutely, the, absolutely. I, I have a list of things. I have a list well, of things I would write a book on. I just well, don't have this, the time I've, to do it. I've got this book right. So Joomla is the content management system that we run law in sport on open source, and I'm part of a community that um, that's involved in in uh, Joomla. Um, and I'll speak. One of the co-founders of Joomla's dad was a lawyer who represented football clients, and he stopped representing football clients. He represented Liam Brady when he moved from Arsenal to Italy, right, and then back again. He stopped, he stopped acting in football. Why? Because he didn't like some of the unscrupulous characters he found coming in. 
<laughs> into football during the time. And so I just thought it was quite interesting because, you know, his big issue was with how agents are regulated. And that's why he just started to act for football clients less. And I just thought, it's really funny. Again, here we are. This is in the eight, 70s and 80s. Here we are, again, still talking about the same issues, right, as, as the market evolves. Um, what advice would you give to, well, I guess, not only what advice, what do you, when you're looking for, you know, in, in your, with your is day hat on, you do a lot of mentoring with people. You've done, you're, you're a mentee, a mentor, sorry, for the law and sport mentoring scheme. Um, what characteristics or behavior do you look for in someone? Do you, you know, when you see people and you think, you know, this person is someone to watch, right? You know, what is it you kind of, that you look out for? What do you think are the sort of key characteristics that, that someone in the sector um, who's looking to progress their career. Um, what do you think? What do you think sort of stands out? And does it change if they want to move in house or in private practice? Well, my, my first, uh, uh, if you want to call it advice, but 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 the first, just not to call it advice. The first quality I, I appreciate um, in 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 people in, in in my collaborators or in an associate, I need to bring on board. Is um, is the capacity to question everything, and not take everything for granted, and also to accept, be able to accept that the person in front of you might have a better opinion than the one you have, and and go for it. So not not stuck to your own preconceptions of 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 whatever case you're dealing with, and be able to you know just. Mm, um, yeah, and and uh, but question yourself at all, and and change the course of action if you think that the strategy your your collaborator is uh, is is bringing to the table is better than yours, or you know it, I, 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 I I I I don't like arrogance in general, and um and 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 so my advice would be tr try to you know try to work on 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 your is a not, not to be. Proud. I mean, you have to put the work in. You cannot hack your way into um, not into sports, not into anything in life. If you want to lose weight, you know you have to put the, the effort into. Well, so that's, well you can. The, the, you sorry, Joey. I was going to say with the say the weight example, you can hack it, but the reality is you'll hack it and then you bounce back, right? So just in using that as an analogy, they've proven if you're doing these diets, these fad diets, and you drop weight. You bounce back yeah, and put even absolutely. more weight on over a period of time. So have a sustainable growth. Yeah, you need to invest the time. And right. you know what happened it, it, last week? I went. I play, I play tennis on a, on a weekly basis, and uh, I'm really bad, you know. But I have a super <laughs> style. I have a super style. I mean, I, I started, and I mean, I'm, and I'm not being, I'm not being, uh, you know. Uh, uh, but but I have a good style, you know. I started. I, I started. <laughs> what do you I mean? Started, you dress well. Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. But I have an amazing swing, and no, I uh, I started. <laughs> I, I started at a very young age, you know. I started with six years old, so I played until eighteen. So I, I mean, I I know the moves. I know how to move in the court. I uh, I hit the ball. It's just that I missed a lot of balls, you know. And in front of me last week, I had a guy who played terrible, but terribly. You know, he's just like, you know, he couldn't move. He, but you know, the, the he wouldn't miss a ball. You know? So I would hit with my superstar, <laughs> and what you would be, and, and I, you know, I lost. I was like, how is it possible? I play a thousand times much better than he does, and I lost. I was like, 
I was super upset, you know, after the class, I went home, and I realized, you know, a, 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 something similar happens with, 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 with law. You know, you can think that you are super good, and you know everything, that you play good, but then somebody comes in front of you and, 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 and raises an argument. He doesn't even know what it means, and, you know, he, he, he screwed you. you know? so, so, you know what I'm saying? It, it, he, the other party doesn't even know what he said, but, but, but then you... So, a little bit... Something similar happens, you know. And this is why my advice goes, okay, don't trust... I mean, don't, 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 don't trust yourself, you know, or your preconceptions that you might have that, you know, I'm a better player, I'm a better lawyer. No, no, no. Be, be, so that's where you get caught out. When you get complacent, is what you're saying. Uh, absolutely. When you get complacent, right? The out outcomes outcomes matter <laughs> in that regards, right? So you can look really great. You can have all the stuff, all the prep, but if you yeah, and all the you know, fancy not... clothes and the the die and then you go on the huh? <laughs> with the laser racket and somebody. Um, <laughs> and and what would you say? What advice would you give? So there's that. So one of so that was one thing you'd say is definitely don't take yourself too seriously. Look for feedback, is what you're saying. Be adaptable as, as you know, where necessary. Um, uh, yeah, and pay attention so you don't lose. The, you know, we would say keep your eye on the prize as such, right? So if the objective is to get the ball over the net, then make sure you get the ball over the net above looking good trying to do it. Um, and what advice would you then give to people who are starting out now in the current world? The world has changed. We are in a different environment. We do now have LinkedIn. Um, uh, you know, the sports law has now become established, uh, or at least the the uh, <clears throat> lawyers practicing and having developed practices, sorry, in uh, for sports organisations and the sports organisations having um, many in-house lawyers um, is something that's commonplace around the world now, not in every market, but in many. Um, what advice would you give to people starting out, you know, would you say just do the same yeah, thing as I, you would I, do? No, 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 absolutely. That, that, that The most important thing is to bring value to the industry. Bring value, whatever it is. If you're, if, if you're, a, if, if, if you're a tax lawyer, then, then be the best in, in tax and, and, and bring that practice you have into the industry of sports. If you're a good litigator, then focus on that. If you're, if, if, you know, if, if you're a good commercial lawyer, then try to you know, lean towards the industry. Because sports law is, 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 is nothing but law applied to the industry. If you ask me, that's my opinion. Somebody might have a different opinion, no? But I think that it's an industry. An industry uh, interacts with all kinds of law. Insolvency law, no? We've talked about it, and we will talk more uh, in, in the conference about it, no? But also employment law. What, what, does have, what does insolvency law have to do with employment law? Nothing. Or very little, you know? They can, they can, they can be... Um, uh, um, interrelated in some cases, but but whatever whatever you do, bring value to the table, and be the best, or try to be the best at whatever you do. And so, what do you mean? So, so let's get into this though briefly before we finish. Um, what what do you consider to be value, right? Because one of the things that I thought was, you know, there's, there's this fable uh, of talent, right? That, that that was really useful. There's a book called The Wisdom of Finance by uh, Mahir say and um he describes this economists have, have, have argued the toss about this for years apparently about what is value what what really does value represent and so in the fable of talents right you had the you know the um the whoever it was the emperor or the uh, this uh, very rich individual had his servants and he said look i'm going away for a year 
you take, I don't know, here's 14 talents, which are like little tokens, basically. Look after them till I go. Gives one, like, I don't know how many is 20. Gives another one 10. Gives another one one, right? The one with 20 goes in, buys loads of stuff, invests it, creates 40, whatever the number is. I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm bastardizing this. So I'm not getting it completely right, but you get the gist. The next one with 10 goes out, invests it, does this for it. And then the one with one just buries it. So the, so the, 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 the um, master comes back and he says, but where are my talents? And he goes, master, like, you know, I uh, you know, took your, your, the ones you gave me, the first one, he goes, I took them and I invested in this. I've generated this. He goes, well done. Thank you so much. You did a good job. The next one comes and he says the same thing. Like, I did this with it and I generated not as many, but maybe like tw two or three more. He goes, well done. The one who did one, who who had the one story and buried it goes to his master goes look I've got it I looked after it and he goes right you you're gone right basically you're you're cast out and it's meant to represent God basically and saying everyone's got whatever respectively whatever their talent is they got one but if you don't maximize that talent right it's a shame and so he didn't really add any value right with the limited talent that he had essentially he didn't really add any he didn't produce anything extra so when we're talking about it's from a legal sector where's the bit extra that the people can provide that really other than just going this is what the law is how do you see it when you're adding value to your clients in terms of like not just doing the the yeah, here's a contract. Is it? Yeah, is this clear? Yeah, no, I have it very clear. I mean, I mean one of it, what, what, the most important value is knowledge, and try to anticipate situations that that might put your client into jeopardy in a deal, for instance, and try to cover those risks and be aware of those risks and inform of, the, of those risks. The other one is flexibility. Um, we work very strange hours. Uh, our clients are spread across the globe. So I may work one day for a client in Paraguay um, and, and on the same day for a client in the Middle East. And that time span difference can really, um, you know, you might end up working at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, or especially during the period now, today is the Eid Mubarak, no? For Muslims, but during the time of, of, of Ramadan, um, you know, they, they usually work at night. Not only because it's hot in their countries during the day, but because you know during the day they rest because they haven't been you know so so um or um so so you have to be flexible adapt um in terms of 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 your schedule when you work, but also in terms of fees, you know mm, you have to be able to to be competitive given uh, you know the 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 the, the existence of, of, of many options in the market and very good options, you know, I would say. Um, so and that's one of the points. Isn't that one of the points that, that has come up on other interviews and other friends um, and colleagues in the sector? You know, that doesn't mean underpricing yourself to the point where you can't you know, make any profit because eventually that's not sustainable. But there is a point in the sense of recognizing where the where the benefit is to an organization or an individual and appropriately pricing so they can, uh, you know, get value out of, rather than just, you know, um, say, for example, you've got a dispute with a, with a, a footballer and his agent. Just winning that dispute is not the, is not just the wit, is not this, is not what necessarily success is, right? Within the, within the dispute, uh, 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 a level where the remuneration covers not only your fees, but also gets money for the end client, whoever that is. Is, is part of that, right? Or allows, or it allows them to continue playing or get other representation. I, I, I don't think there's one solution fits all no. in, in, in when it comes to fee quotation. And that um, I have a great deal of respect for, for all, any colleague, you know, they, they put a price 
for their services, and, and that's what it is. There's nothing to say on that. But what I'm just saying is that you need to be flexible. And in the end of the day, we are in, in our professions, the one that we, we when we act as lawyers, we 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 serve people. We we we're there to help them, and uh, and that that also um, comes with understanding the 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 situation of every client in particular. It's not the same when you work for a super rich uh, uh, club or uh, or Asian that when you work when you work for um, and I'm not thinking about anyone in particular, no, but for a player in um, I would say I don't know Gambia. Uh, who you know who got stranded in um, and again I'm inventing huh? in um, I don't know in Kazakhstan and he's you know so you need to know who you're working for you need to know and, and you're free obviously to take or, or or not to take the case you know but um, and do you have do you have for you do you have um you know um, boundaries in which you go right now uh, you know these are areas where like it's really not profitable for me. Or you know, sometimes no. no, you don't. You just treat I, each one on a case by case basis. Yes, but um, and I'll be brutally honest with you at this point. I try to take everything that comes to my table. I um, I, I try I try to to say I mean, unless unless the you know what the client is asking me, I think is not ethical. Uh, that that's that would be the threshold, you know. If if what you're asking, if what you're asking me, I don't feel comfortable with, or I think it's not the right thing, uh, then then. Uh, you know, and then maybe I, that's I, maybe that's a really great point for people as well is that, you know, there's a time I guess to be picky and a time to be choosy, and uh, you know, in a market where it, it can be quite, you know, sometimes it can be really no doubt in disputes as well, it can be really busy. Uh, with cases, you know, you might have a back-to-back -back hearings. Other times, it can be slightly more, um, let's say, quiet. Maybe you don't have that luxury. But I just think it's really interesting. I thank and thank you for being so honest about it because I think, again, as we talk about all the time, it's such a difficult market to to operate in. And you can watch loads of stuff on social media and think that some people are doing extremely well. Where the reality can be that it's they might be doing well, but the reality could also be that they're just you know, they're, they're doing well, but it's a lot of work, right? And it may be much easier for them to go into banking or finance or, um, you know, big pharma or something else other than working sports or. Um, I think one of the things as well is though, because you've got a genuine interest, it probably stands out in the sense of it's for you. I don't believe it's just a job. One other final point then is you've got a family. How do you make sure, given that you've got this, um, you know, you, you do love what you do and you read a case a day, you're obsessive compulsive about this type of stuff, right? You're always telling me about articles you're reading on law and sport, right? Which I'm so always surprised you have time to do. Um, and you listen to all these podcasts. You've got, um, you know, a wonderful family. How do you make sure that you um, factor enough time in to get some, you know, respite and, uh, and and obviously crucial time with your family? How do you, how, what's your strategies for success in that regards? It's, it, that's that's probably the most difficult question, and um, and um, it's 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 not it's not easy. Well, the, 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 especially during the last year, which I have a newborn, and the first year, you know, it's always if you want to get involved, if if you're relying on somebody else, this is not our case. I mean, I wake up every night two or three times. Um, you can see, <laughs> but uh, so does my wife. Huh? It's not, uh, but but. Um, Obviously, I needed to bring somebody on board, and and I've been super lucky in that regard. That 
that the, 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 the person I chose is responding uh, super good and, and I can delegate. And it's difficult to delegate because as you said, when, 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 you're, when you're obsessed compulsively, you want to know everything, you know, losing that sense of you know, control, which you know, it's, it's, it's very, very difficult. But, but that, that's, that's one of the things you need to do is be able to uh, acknowledge that you cannot do anything uh, by yourself. And therefore, you need to delegate, and um, and and supervise, of course, and, and assume responsibility for whatever goes out. But um, uh, but then I'm, I'm I'm working on it. I just I, I spoke with a CAS arbitrator who's a, who's, a, who's a good friend recently, and he told me he's in a similar situation as I am, and he told me um, I wake up every day at five. I was like, you wake up every day at five. I mean, yeah, I wake up at five to change diapers, but, but, <laughs> but I'm a complete zombie. I mean, I would die. If, uh, you go to, like, but you're, you're Spanish. You yeah. go to bed late, right? So, like, as in, yeah, and, and then as I, you know, I, 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 I told my wife, should I wake up at five? I said, yeah. She says, yeah, but I don't, I don't know, I don't know. But, but, but it's true that those first hours in the morning, if if you can, you know, get one or two hours without being disturbed, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, agree. Uh, and I'm planning to do it. <laughs> I've tried to do it. I can't just. I struggle to sustain it. Is the challenge right? Because you have to, in order to do that, to do the five. I I certainly agree. Four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning. If you can get to bed early enough, which like is a challenge. Thirty, ten. Yeah, yeah. If you can do that, then it's really sustainable. I've done it for periods, and I found it to be the same as you said, super productive. Because you just got these quiet hours, um, and particularly if you're dealing with people internationally, it can be really difficult. Um, but yes, just to work, <laughs> I'm with you. It's a work in progress, right? Um, Joseph, it's absolutely like as you know, yeah, uh, yeah, we're good friends. It's absolutely delight to get you on the podcast at last. I love your story. I love how you approach things. You know, you're an incredibly humble individual, um, and you've achieved a lot. And I, and one thing I'm, that we I always tell people about is that the, your hunger to learn is something that is um you know infectious and something that you know again i was speaking to someone who's got quite a big social media profile in sports law the other day and people just look at that and think that this person and a couple of other people are just are just that and they don't realize they're a bit like you in the back reading everything you know keeping up to there's all this hard work a bit like with athletes right they see the end performance and they think that's it I don't realize it's all the training that goes before that. And so um, I hope that that message is both encouraging, inspiring and reassuring for everyone. <laughs> the, uh, the admiration is mutual. You know that, that I, uh, I, I enjoy very much uh, everything that you do, the, the, the passion you put on, 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 and on every detail, on the website, on the events you organize. I think it, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and obviously I encourage everyone not only to read, but to, to participate and to be part of this community that you've put together, which is something unique, and um, and um, and I thank you for that as well. So, oh, my pleasure. It's great to bring <laughs> good people together, right? That's the the whole point is that you know, you know, we're trying to, and we should in this day and age, remove the situation that you found yourself in when you started out. That you were a lone wolf, you didn't know where to go to to seek advice to do that. We should we should, we should be able to avoid that now. Right, we really should, shouldn't we? We should be able to actually, you know, hopefully we can look back and think, you know, maybe in five or 10 years and think, oh, now we're starting to avoid some of the old problems. Maybe we are starting to develop a little bit more, but thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's just wonderful to get you on the podcast at last. I'm delighted. And I'm going to be curious to see if you listen back and go, I really enjoyed that podcast. <laughs> Ciao.